0: This better
1: be the gayest Disney movie ever made. Hey, Cogsworth it, it, and Lumiere better be sucking each other off.
0: I'm gonna be kind of mean, but like hearing rip torn grunt during sex, it kind of sounds like rape.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm gonna be kind of mean, but the, it no, that's, that's rip torn. Completely true. Kind of sounds like rape. Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the 1976 science fiction drama, which is The Man Who Fell to Earth, starring David Bowie. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, FilmTankShow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back into Film Tank. This is episode 105, and I am Alex Diekman, along with my friends and co-hosts, Nick Cheney.
1: I'm a friend. Yes. That's adorable.
2: And a co-host.
1: I'm happy to be a co-host. Ooh, thank you.
2: And Toussaint Egan also here with us. Good evening, Alex. It's great to see you. I, I, was that an impression? No. No, uh, I just was. that was just Toussaint in his real life.
0: Yeah, that was just me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Playing uh, Aldrin Heinkirk from Hail Caesar? I Sure, why not? I... I'm not even sure what that was. That was more
1: Ralph Fain, uh, Ray Fiennes. Ray Fien- yeah. Ralph refine Ralph Fain, Or Ralph Fane. Right. You know what? I'm just going to stop talking. I'm just really Probably excited was. to
0: talk about this movie, actually. So.
2: And you're back in that accent. All right. Yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> so the the film we are talking about today is The Man Who Fell to Earth, a, a film that uh, Tucson was interested to view, interested to talk about. I took it. We were
1: doing this movie. I know. Movie because when you had, you know, like – Okay,
2: disregarded if, this.
1: Well, yeah, if you don't mind, I'm going to give a little context as sure. to how random this is, but we were sitting down as a uh, film tank unit to see Logan, Yes. and I was randomly talking to Toussaint while Alex was going to the bathroom, and I had told Toussaint that I had purchased...
2: Also, unit. all of this was yeah. not happening in the same vicinity at the same time. No, no,
1: you were just going to the bathroom in another room, I... but we were sitting in the theater, and I said, hey, Toussaint, because I knew yeah. he was a at least uh, wanting to see this movie. I said, hey, I, I just purchased uh, for a good deal the out-of-print Criterion Blu-ray of The the Man Who Fell to Earth. Which, Holy shit,
2: no way. Yeah. Wh- which is... Uh, to give... not, we are not reenacting this. Really? To give even more context, yep. uh, as you had explained to myself and who saw it, uh, this is a very tough to find. Yes, this uh, criteria. There
1: are, I mean, there are quite a few criteria that are out of print, so to speak. But there are two that I think are the holy grail of like to get, and um, it's the third man on Blu-ray, and uh, well, Blu-ray or DVD, uh, and the man who fell to Earth. And I purchased them both from a seller who mm-hmm. was selling them for a very good price. And so I was excited because I've always wanted to see this, and I was like a uh, you know a snob, and I even <laughs> though there are extremely legal means to see this, I've never seen this until I you know overpaid for it. But I was like, hey, it's you like just, Hamilton, yeah. So I'm like, hey, Toussaint, you know we we've got this, so we can watch this one day. And yeah, then, I thought that, and that's all I meant by that. And then he was like, I'm. He got really excited, and he was like, I can't wait to tell Alex, and I'm like, well. I, I, like I'm not saying anything about Alex's pedigree, so to speak, but I'm like, I don't know that Alex is really gonna be excited about this. So we don't need to. <laughs> to this Alex gets back, and, but I
0: knew the, the 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 profundity of of the fact that you were able to actually acquire this well, for the money that you did, and that, that is that is true yeah. as well. Yeah.
1: And so Alex got back, and then, sure enough, I uh, I was right, and Toussaint uh, was like, Alex, guess what? And Alex had the exact reaction that I expected him, which was uh, a one of uh, I would say. A polite indifference, yeah. Okay, and, um, which is
0: mostly how Alex treats my my excited discoveries. Yes. No,
1: it depends. No, no, <laughs> it depends. Like this is just one of those <laughs> things that is just so random. Yeah. Uh, then randomly, we get to the end of the episode that we were recording, and Alex just <laughs> dropped a bombshell. But that's what we would review. And I think, and I, here we are. It, that's right. I I literally remember when you had said it that. I was thinking, I'm like, okay, what other movie is called <laughs> The Man Who Fell to Earth? Because I, I didn't... Yeah, hear, right. Are we hear... talking
2: about the the Keanu Reeves remake of The yeah. Day of the Earth Stood
1: Still? Yeah. So. I would never... Watch I would,
0: that. I, I would never... I would leave. <laughs> I would rather leave... I would leave the podcast. I would leave the podcast. <laughs> quit. Than to review the inferior version of that great film. <laughs> yep.
1: So here we are. Yeah. Almost on like a lark. So uh yeah. But that's okay because yeah. you know what that keeps it fresh. It really I is. think.
2: So the yeah. film The Man that The Man Who Fell to Earth uh came out in nineteen seventy-six and stars obviously David Bowie, in addition, uh, Rip Torn, Candy Clark, and also Buck Henry, a lot of a lot of pretty pretty to or- the point names. Yeah. <laughs> uh in this film and this is uh, this is an interesting one from IMDb, so we'll see what you guys think yeah. about this. <laughs> Thomas Jerome Newton is a humanoid alien who comes to Earth to get water for his dying planet. He starts a high-technology company to get the billions of dollars he needs to build a return spacecraft. At the same time, he meets Mary Lou, a girl who falls in love with him. Hmm. He does not count on the greed and ruthlessness of business here on Earth. However, that's it. Wow. that's That was a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like this movie, but yeah. uh, still, um, I think it kind of gets the point, but at the same time, it also...
1: That's like repeating what happened instead of like... <laughs> the point of the movie, yeah, so yeah. to speak. But yeah, interesting. I mean,
0: it's, In it's, that, it's a very it's poor not, summary, but... It's a reading. It's
1: not factually inaccurate. No.
0: Yeah.
2: So, um, why don't one of you guys start off? Because I, uh, as you could expect, probably have a much different reading than on this than either of you do. Um, so, uh,
1: What's interesting about this movie, like a lot of movies, but at least as far as being a classic movie, as far as... Uh, uh, not this era, Um, none of us have seen this movie before we walked in to record this podcast. So we are all literally coming off of a fresh viewing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be a a, a theme in all of our opinions for better or worse. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, having just seen it literally minutes ago, I'm certainly still trying to parse through it, so to speak. But I have to say, I... Enjoyed it. Um, it's in no way some kind of perfect masterpiece or anything even close to that, but it's the it's
0: it's a quintessential cult film.
1: Yep, I agree.
0: Really quick, too, yep. is
1: this David Bowie's
2: first film yes. role? Is okay, starring like, or just in general, first film
1: role?
0: I think, uh, starring.
1: yeah, because Merry Christmas, Mrs. Lawrence, Mr. Lawrence, uh, with 80s, and I know Labyrinth mm-hmm. with 80s, so yeah, I think it was his first movie. Yeah, okay, um. I gotta say, I enjoyed it. Um, it was exactly kind of what I thought it would be. I, I've seen other Nicholas Rogue films. Uh, I, this is my fourth now. I've seen Walkabout, uh, Insignificance, and um, Don't Look Now. And while I think Don't Look Now is his actual like masterpiece, the one that everybody should see, um, I, this is probably the the film of his I've liked the most. Uh, besides that, um, I think. What I like about this movie, uh, so to speak, is that it takes something we see in a lot of movies, uh, as far as a lot of sci-fi movies, where we get this kind of stranger in a strange land story. But mm. it's one of the most, for better and worse, it's one of the most authentic, in my opinion, depictions of, I think, what it would look like uh from an alien's perspective, not an alien who, because as we can see, uh, clearly uh, the character of uh, Thomas Jane Newton um, or Mister Sussex, Mister Sussex, is closer to our uh, species than a lot of other depictions of alien life. Um, but is that? Is this what? What makes this movie surreal, and what makes his journey surreal, is. Simply in those little moments in which the everyday mundanity of life um becomes terrifying and yeah, alienating and ter- yeah, exactly. like, like
0: the initial moments when he's just like looking around the town with the inflatable like <laughs> bounty house and the and the guy who was hanging out of the uh the, the, the derelict playground set and like he was just rambling like a drunk. I'm just like and, and, I, I just And wa- asking for help. Too. I I just wanted to like pull like Thomas aside and be like, I promise, I know it's weird, but I promise it's not always like this. I'm terrified by this, Thomas, okay? It's not like the okay. subtle time. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be okay.
2: It's okay. You're white. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's all gonna be fine. Yeah. yeah. Be, be, white be happy, man. Be happy that
0: you're not a um uh if you were a Muslim, no, bad no, no, times no, for no. You. There's, <laughs> the, there's there's another parallel film to this where what? it's like a an alien who this comes guy. to Earth. And it's played by um, Oh Sydney Poitier,
1: Christopher Lloyd. No, Sydney Poitier in My Favorite Martian.
0: No, Sydney Poitier plays in a um, brother from another planet or something like that. Oh wow! Yeah, interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah, I. I I enjoyed this. I think it's certainly, like, it's it's one of those movies where it's not so much, I I would not defend it, because I think it is so defiantly, I would say, almost contemptuous uh, towards a mainstream audience who is looking for some semblance of a, um, at least... uh, I don't know, a palatable flow in in their narrative, and I completely understand that. Like, there are some movies that I think are extremely off the beaten path and, uh, you know, extremely slow or just offbeat, whatever, that I think are purposely that, and, you know, I'll admit that if you, if you don't... Terrence Malick films. Well, like, if you don't like it or get it, whatever, then, like, um, like, I just think, like, that's so... Perfect for what it is, where this is like, okay, I, I'm, I'm splitting the difference between as much as I enjoyed it, I also understand where it would leave anybody cold, so to speak. Um, I gotta say, um, I think what saved this movie overall was the uh, cycle of surrealism, because every time I thought the movie itself would like leave that... Mode behind, so to speak. It always kind of cropped up, uh, like, and there were some sequences that I thought were absolutely gorgeous and uh, almost breathtaking in the way they depicted this weird elliptical take on his life on Earth, mixed with his memories, mixed with maybe a present timeline of what's happening on his home planet, Um, and as much as I find it confounding, I also find it just kind of weirdly beautiful. Um, But I'll say this before I pass it on i i the the moments in this movie that I can't explain are much better than the moments in this movie where it's straightforward i can and, agree and um kind of going through the motions of a uh business corporation satire and um and, and while I enjoyed some of those parts uh it was when I was asking myself what is happening that I was most involved with the film I will say
2: this yep. uh in this deals more with the special effects of this film it's really says a lot about um modern film but boy it sucks that you can watch this film which was made in 1976 and then go watch something like clint eastwood's j edgar and think (laughs) wow, the uh, aging of the characters has done so
0: much better in this film from yeah. 40 years ago. Why is that? With very light, tasteful um, facial makeup versus yeah. a, a full-on prosthesis there, in order to replicate jowls.
1: I was going to say, there's something in today's world where... And one of my, if not my favorite, one of my favorite shows is Guilty of This, in which it's best moment, uh, Six Feet Under, where we see the characters all grown up, uh, which is like probably the most famous episode of that show and the best moment of that show but The Old Age of Makeup in that is so awful because we have a tendency in these days to like just pile it on because it's not CGI, so we somehow think it looks better no matter what. Which,
2: which is the, the unfortunate part of just because, oh, people don't necessarily like the aging with CGI, so we'll try this. Right. And then you get in J. Edgar's the example I used because of Army Hammer in that, who just looked like a wax museum figure. <laughs> um, but you look here at the aging specifically of. Uh, Rip Torn's character and of Mary Lou and it feels authentic. Rip Torn
1: especially, I thought. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, Tucson remarked when he first showed up like how young he looked. Because I'm and... so
0: used to, I've, I've never seen Rip Torn when he is not like maximalist out right. there. Sort He of looks like... like
2: he just received a DUI. <laughs> and what's creepy about yeah. his aging... He probably aging... <laughs> did, too.
1: <laughs> and what's creepy about his aging makeup is that by the end of the movie... I don't know if they're fortune tellers, but he looks closer to what he ends up looking like in real life than I think most of them could have predicted. So uh, I I give him kudos for that. Yeah. The green
0: temples and the, uh, the kind of patchwork under his eyes. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Um,
1: So in, in general, I liked it. And um, while I can certainly see any problem with it, um, I still think it at the very least, it's something that I think people should at least try.
0: Yeah. Sure. So, you know, as a, like sci-fi aficionado, I've always been sort of intrigued about seeing this and like you know being knowledgeable about some of um David Bowie's uh, past uh film roles this is always was sort of an intriguing thing to me because it's like well of course like David Bowie would play an alien who like comes to earth in search of water and stuff and it's like I'm just interested to see how it'd actually would play out I had I I had not Read what the premise was. I did not see any, like, trailers about this film before beforehand. I just wanted to, like, go into it fresh. I felt like this film, for as elusive as it is, it deserved that to be able to, like, watch it on a, on a first impression. And I got to say that I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think that uh, the initial moments of the film uh, were sort of jarring and it, it it was me trying to play catch up in order to understand who this character was in relation to the world around them as like in what their their goal was cuz it's not explicit from from the get go like but in hindsight it's like it just builds and and you realize like okay like well that's a pretty like simple bare bone premise and that's fine um, but i think that what's most novel about um, this film is not only its story which i feel like in some ways is like a a sort of oblique parallel to that of the ascent and the eventual disintegration of fame in a lot of ways um, but I really enjoyed the fame. yeah I, I enjoyed the, the the camera work and the, the music <laughs> choice I felt like there, there's one term that you, you mentioned while we were watching it which is like the film's use of elliptical editing, editing which I thought was in, in the way that it was used like it's not something that I see very often where you're you're splicing together um
1: how about, how about you aptly like like describe it I had brought it up because of the fact that his other film don't look now features a very famous scene in Hollywood uh, in which Donald Sutherland and whoever plays his wife who I always blank on um are having sex, and it's famous because of the fact that at the time it was one of the most risque sex scenes ever filmed uh it was yeah and um but what's beautiful about the scene itself and the way it's edited is that it I would say almost gently and in a fragile manner cuts between the sex that they're having and um what's going to happen moments after, which is them getting ready for the dinner they're gonna go to and how it's almost one moment in and of itself. Mm. And here we see the exact same practice uh with um a lot of the sex that happened in this movie, in yeah. which it is almost interchangeable with the moments uh that happen after. Yeah.
0: I thought that the the use of that editing was just so well done and very just very jarring and very interesting and i also wanted to like point to the fact of how the the music in this in this film works because it's so eclectic it spawns it it, it spans so many different genres and yet it feels cohesive and also appropriate to the scenes in which they are actually like soundtracking it's like i thought that it it's it's I have to listen to the soundtrack again. I have to watch this film again just because I love the music in it and I just can't pin it down to just one one genre. It's like they had stuff where um, they had the, the the universe suite where they had like Mars playing in the background and then they had like some crazy like synth – some synth rock, and then they have, like, these beautiful piano uh, interludes
1: and stuff. Like, I feel like the... Wonderful uh, country western?
0: Yeah, it was like, the the director, like, whoever was the sound director for this was just uh, throwing everything at the wall, and it's like, because, like, they figure, holy shit, I'm working on a film with David Bowie, I gotta, like, I gotta go out there, it's like, and and they did, and it works well. Not to
1: mention the actual final, not scene, but the final, the beginning of the final scene is... uh, (laughs) Um, uh, what Rip Torn's character going through a record store to, uh-huh. to find his character, uh, David Bowie's character's yeah. record that he had made, and yeah. so I. One thing I'll say before I pass it back to you is that one thing I kind of liked about this movie was um, how unmistakably intertwined it is with David Bowie's own mythos. Yes. And I was not prepared for that. Like, I, I with can't the tell depiction if it was of
0: sexuality in the film?
1: That and also just his, like, like fame, like as you said, as yeah. far as um, – and I couldn't tell if that was, like, prophetic or if it was, like – Something that was because I'm not the biggest David Bowie expert, I'll admit that, but Mm -hmm. I I know enough to know that this is uh, interestingly uh, intertwined with his own career, and there's a lot of parallels. I,
0: I feel like it's it's easy to to sort of call this film a David Bowie vehicle, but I feel like. When, when whenever you, you you hear something like that, you think it's like, oh wow, this this musician or whatever this this peripheral like um, celebrity is trying to get into acting or acting like they're trying to do, and it's like, oh wow, it's going to be another blank vehicle. It's like, but you see, David Bowie did not need this film, and if anything, this film is made better because of David Bowie. And really, there's no other person who could play this role. That really can capture the sort of androgynous alien familiarity. Yeah. Even though that that's an oxymoron, the alien familiarity that kind of like pervades his aura in that in that way. Yeah. Someone else could have played that role. I think he he became that role, and I think that's the best. Terrence person. Stamp could have played that role. Um, I don't know who wow. the hell that is.
1: You don't know who Terrence Stamp? I don't know. Who I it was going to say that in the '70s, this was kind of a common trend. Um, I forget who made it, but in the film Tulane Blacktop uh, about uh, two drag racers, mm. James Taylor and Warren Oates play these two drag racers and it's one of those things where unlike Bowie, like we read that Bowie's in a movie about an alien we kind of be like, oh yeah, he kind of already does that. Yeah. Uh, so it's you know not that much of a stretch but it's in the same manner in the sense that it's, in my opinion, expert casting because when you watch Tulane Blacktop you can't imagine any of anybody else in those roles because of the way that they just kind of, uh, I would say, inhabit sink. them. Yeah. Inhabit and sink yeah. into it. Uh, uh, where the movie would actually be something less special if it was more pronounced in a way with like a true actor, so to speak.
0: Yeah. Um, and I also wanted just before I like tie it off and like pass it on to, to Alex, I wanted to, um, bring note of Rip Torn because I thought that he did a really good job in this film. Um, I liked his acting, and I was.
1: Was he as big as your father?
0: I don't want to talk about that. I really don't ever, don't ever, don't even. Anyway, um, so Jeez the thing, man. the thing about Rip Torn is that he, uh, perfectly sinks into the the trope. His character sinks into the trope of being the, uh, elder college professor who has a proclivity for, uh, younger. Uh, underclassmen preferably like eighteen, or, which is why he's a college professor uh, yeah, man that's wow. mm, man ugh.
2: that's uh pretty much what it is
0: ugh. Mm, ugh,
1: God Hey, he it. wants to make a difference,
0: oh uh, wow, yeah. until he loses
2: his taste for that and then he's no longer a college professor <laughs> Jesus Who's gonna i up? mean that's yeah that,
0: yeah that that's one trope that I feel like I wish. <laughs> movies would just stop leaning into and and really that this this film came out in the heyday of that trope so I was
2: gonna say is for uh, the college years ago. the college romp. Oh,
0: crazy <laughs> stuff's happening around here. But uh yeah, I, I I I enjoyed him in this film and I thought this film was was really, really good. So yeah. I'll pass it on to Alex. Okay. Um yeah, I
2: will say first, uh just commenting on Rip Torn, this is like and obviously a much different performance and a uh, a better performance. But this reminded me of uh, Al Pacino's performance in Godfather 1, where it's like, oh, here is this real actor <laughs> and not a caricature of himself. Yeah. So there you go.
1: Yeah, there's no great-ass acting.
2: <laughs> and I remember uh, when myself and Nick, when we went to the theater to see Godfather 1 and 2, I think it was two years ago? Yeah. Um, it may have been three, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's in there somewhere a while ago. So all in one day. And I just remember both of us commenting because I've seen Godfather one and two before, but you know, watching now sitting down and watching all three hours of it uh, on the big screen. I'm like, man, he actually was a real person. Yeah. He... Because we've just been so used to the rooster hair and the Jack gravelly and voice. Yeah. Yep. And just the years and successful acting roles too with that hey what you doing but he had a real voice and was a actual actor at one point and rip torn was as well and here's evidence so uh you know starting off this is not a film that i would seek out really at all
0: uh that's why we're so surprised that you opted to have it be this week's uh, episode. It was
2: more just because I wanted to keep it fresh and I
0: knew you were excited about yeah. it. And why not? We haven't Aww.
2: we haven't done an out of the box movie in a little while. We've done a lot of newer movies, so this was good. Yeah. Um uh, I was pleasantly surprised by this. Yeah. I, I didn't love it, yeah. but at the same time I didn't hate it. Yeah. Um I thought there was so much here that uh could be kind of pulled from and uh could have my own opinion of of what the story was. Uh that yeah, I, I thought this this was quite good. And um again, I, I didn't really love it. Uh I, I will ag- agree with both of your sentiments that I think David Bowie puts on a pretty solid performance here. Uh, I think, you know, we see in you know this millennium century, whatever you want to call it, When you see someone come from a different arena than acting that they became famous in and then try to become an actor or actress, it usually starts off either horrible or it goes nowhere and then they go back to what they were doing. I'm thinking off the top of my head... The worst that comes to mind is Ronda Rousey in the last <laughs> Fast and the Furious movie, what? <laughs> which was unfortunately uh, a thing. Yeah. Um, but you see here, David Bowie, who obviously is comfortable in what he's doing and, and does put on a very solid performance of what he's doing. Now, if he was in a different role, having to play a different character in a film that wasn't like this, I'm not sure what that would be. But for this... It really does work. Yeah. Um, what I do like about this story is that although there are so many moments that feel very abstract to me and feel very up to the viewer's perspective of what is exactly going on, um, the the film that actually I, I tied this to, and I have another feeling about this film uh, as it relates to pop culture slash real life, but... Uh, The film that actually I relate this to is is pretty amazing because obviously I wouldn't have thought of it if uh, I had seen this film five years ago. Uh, But that is Interstellar. Hmm. And it's interesting uh, for me because you have this, this idea at the beginning of Interstellar that the humans are going out to seek out a new home when the way that they were able to be sent was that they were supposed to try to save their own their own race and bring them back there. When of course the grand purpose is to bring them to this, this new place. Uh, And I feel like for me personally, that's the entire gag of this entire film is that David Bowie is stringing them all along to think that he's trying to go back to his home when really he's just trying to send an alert out to send his people here. Why would he
0: not want to go back to his home planet? I mean, Who's going to take care of his toaster oven slash McDonald's hash ha- like hash brown vehicle? <laughs> but that runs like, on wind currents, apparently.
2: But but to me, at least in my reading of it, that's yeah. the, the whole point. Is he's supposed to be doing these things that are distracting? Yeah. Uh, the the Earthlings. That's from- kind of what
1: I love about that IMDb uh, summary. Yeah. Which is like that is yes, that is what characters are saying is happening. Yeah. yeah. But in reality, whether it's that he wants his people to come to them or even a more laissez faire reading which is that kind of what I kind of got out of the first which is that in my opinion he just got distracted by human and which which is, is right, that's I, the,
2: that's that's the thing about this film which yeah. I I really do like as well is that there's not a definitive yeah. avenue. It is very much up for grabs. Yeah. Um but uh at the same time that final scene really made me firm in my feeling of it because he came to him uh that being Riptorns yeah. character and found him saying, Oh, I found you by listening to this record and it's playing on the radio and that and it just mm-hmm. really just firmed that up in, in my brain. Yeah. Uh, really quickly before I pass it on and, and we can talk a little more. Um Something I just like saw a couple things early on and thought, man, that seems like that, and it just there were too many things that I couldn't stop thinking about it. And Dr. that was
1: house's leg.
2: No, believe it or not, uh, and that's the comparisons of of David Bowie's character, whichever name you want to call him, uh, and Howard Hughes, which I I, <laughs> I think is interesting. <laughs>
1: hmm. Yeah, actually,
2: um, yeah. Continue because. We see a lot of little traits, uh, whether it be his uh, extreme just isolation from from humanity and from other people. Obviously, a very eccentric person who does not want to be directly involved. He's obsessed with uh, the desert and with, with, with the film. Uh, he's anti-alcohol, at least in the beginning. And uh, obviously, the the obvious one being TWA, which is shown multiple times throughout this, which Howard Hughes owned. So,
1: uh, I was gonna say his fascination itself with, even if he wasn't necessarily trying to get back to his own, but with creating the device that would travel, yeah. so to speak.
2: Yeah. So it, it was just too many things for me to not stop thinking about it. So me the milk. I it think the milk. it's <laughs> well,
0: well, there. There's several things I'm I'm thinking about right now. I'm just trying to like. I'm I'm rattling them off before I forget about them. One, I think it's really interesting uh, about his uh, increasing reliance on alcohol because at first he rejects all forms of alcohol and only drinks water because that's what he came here. That's where he came to earth in order to get. But then he increasingly becomes more reliant on alcohol. And as we know, alcohol is an inebriant, but it is also something that that dehydrates you. So you're literally – it's like he's literally killing himself while he's like
1: well, not to mention well indulging himself if, if it does dehydrate him, then in a lot of ways it makes him feel like he's home because hmm. yeah, mm. I guess. yeah. <laughs> you but, know I mean just you know as far as that I, passion- hey. no,
0: I, I suppose <laughs> that's true, and as far as um comparisons uh between this film and others, like I think it's really interesting, alex uh when you highlight interstellar because I think that the closest parallel at least for me, and we mentioned this a little bit um during our watch through. Um, I think that the the closest parallel I can think between this film and another film is Under the Skin. Okay, and I, and I know that as a whole, looking at them as a whole, they have they are very different films with very different tones, with very different depictions and definitions of of the other of alienism, right? Um, but it's just I I can't help but think that maybe like the man. Who fell to Earth might have been a, at least a point of reference for Under the Skin, just from the way that they start, yeah, and 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 how they they navigate through their world. At, well, they at, share
1: some commonalities, yeah. So whether it's the fact that clearly, um, David Bowie's character is kind of similar in the sense that he is kind of I wouldn't say a shapeshifter, but his shell, so to speak, is malleable to the point of. Uh, Like, the most purest state is not, uh, shall we say, aesthetically pleasing to the human race. So he does, however he does, because we don't actually see exactly why he adopts that, you know... Uh, let's just say in some scenes he has Bowie Dick, and in some scenes he doesn't. Um, but that's a choice that he makes, and that's much like I think Scarlett Johansson's character, as far as like she could be whatever we see at the end of that movie, but she knows that under you know the skin, yeah, ha ha ha, uh, that that's not how she'll fit in. Well, she um,
2: does try to she go, t- she and t- then t- there's then there's the oh. Yeah. And then there's the grabbing of the lamp, and then well, the... Uh, and what's what interesting? The fuck is that? What's interesting
1: yeah. is that if we are comparing I'm them... I'm Kane and Kodos from The Simpsons. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> wow. What, <laughs> what's interesting, though, is that if they are similar, which I actually agree with you to say, yeah. is that what's interesting is that it? I think a lot of what's different about them is that actually does come down to... Not the source materials, but the uh, gender that they both center around. That them. is, I mean, really interesting. I think it's. I. I don't think it's an accident, so to speak. That I agree with you in that sense. I can't imagine that Jonathan Glazer is not at least even subconsciously influenced by the man who fell to Earth, mm. but clearly when you center this kind of story around uh, either gender, you're going to come out with different ways of uh, how your protagonist interacts with others and how they uh, exhibit power. Because I think we can both agree that, or we can all agree, that both characters in some way or another essentially becomes the most powerful person on that
0: planet. It's just... In in their own respect. Yeah, yeah. I can see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Um, Just circling back two last points um and 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 ch- touching on the fact like yeah I'll, uh nick i totally agree with you in in that summation of like how they are similar in that way um i said before that uh brother from another planet starred sydney Poitier. i want to issue a correction on that yeah i was
1: wondering about it that it was
0: actually uh joe morton who okay. you you might know him Scandal. Y- y- well, yeah, sure, Scandal. But you also might know him from uh, Terminator, uh, Judgment Day, and okay. the the sci-fi show Eureka. Um, it's from nineteen eighty four. It's a sci-fi comedy. And I and circling that back,
2: now, is he Miles Dyson or is he somebody? Yes, else? Yes, he's Miles
0: Dyson. Okay, yeah. So he's also
2: uh, the police sergeant from Speed. Then is that some... yeah okay <laughs> yeah. Got it.
0: Um, so he's had like a lot of notable bit roles. Yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting how. Nick, you, you you talk about the the main difference between them being gender is like I I, I would love to I'm sure somebody's written a, a study on this or at least an article in some ways but like comparing uh, the man who fell to earth with brother from another planet to under the skin and seeing how those films sort of portray the the constructed arbitrariness of 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 those sort of like like. Like personas and signifiers of like gender and race, like yeah. I think that that'd be really uh, interesting to unpack. Re-
2: really quick, too, yeah. Before we, Nick, you give your your answer to what Toussaint is saying. Talking about gender and race, how about the fact that Toussaint, you made mention that this is a film that came out forty years ago? This has a very clear moment that involves homosexuality, and it also
0: has a very clear moment that involves interracial interracial yeah. sex. Yeah, In which which for I guess for its time, I can't. I mean, for its time, I guess it's
1: considered risque. I would say for its time, yeah. it wasn't popular, but it wasn't unheard of. So no, but, at, but the, yes.
2: at the same time, they're, they're both here, and we're, we're yeah. talking about them right now. So it's uh, you know, it all just kind of comes yeah. together. Yeah, yeah.
0: definitely. I, I think that even that itself is sort of indicative of an aspect of of Bowie in that he just didn't suffer any type of like discrimination on those. On, on he he was very he was mu-
1: much like Prince. Yeah. So- Ironically, as far as them passing in the same year, but, yeah, but as far as like sexuality was exactly what they were defined by, and yet also was not what they were limited
0: by. They were both multi instrumentalists, and they are both like willing to go outside of their traditional sound in order yeah. to explore like different things and, and even exploring different mediums such as film and, and other stuff like that. But they occupied, I think in some respects two opposite ends of the spectrum and that they weren't necessarily opposites, but they just occupied different quadrants of, of music and did similar things in, in sort of like shifting the status quo when it comes to, um, the, 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 the default nature of, of the gender binary. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, Right before I, I I dip out again, I was like, I just want to make note of the absurdity of this film and and some legitimately funny and, and dark points, like when uh, uh, Sussex's uh, patent clerk is attacked by two roughnecks who decide to like put on like some polished bowling ball like guard mask helmets and like take turns taking off his glasses so he can't see and then just like throwing him out of window. I was Failing having... the first time and they're just like, oh no! It was like, don't worry. It's like...
2: That was a very like Tarantino-ish moment. Yeah. yeah. Where they are struggling to put on the helmets and then struggling to get well, out the window. And apparently yeah.
1: they had the wrong helmets because then they trade the helmets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, um, yeah. I gotta admit, when they were like swinging uh, his body, I was like having flashbacks to being like five years old, and, and cousins would like swing me, but thankfully <laughs> not through a, a window. Um, and how about
2: the? How about speaking of that? How about his glasses, which they clearly show he needs them, yes. and then they are taken away, and then yeah.
1: And he literally says, "My eyes." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is understandable, yeah. but it's not a common phrase, so to speak. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I gotta say, uh, what I think is interesting about bringing up Under the Skin is that I do think both films, whether explicitly or implicitly, uh, but in my opinion, it's actually kind of the main point of either, uh, deals with sexuality in general. I I think what's interesting is that if we look at this movie as far as being centered around a male character, um, how he's... <laughs> it's weird because when we when we see him first interact with uh, Mary Lou that's her name mm-hmm. yeah yep. um and how he essentially just kind of says no to sex you know and what's interesting is that that's just like uh, like it's taken for granted like oh okay you're tired or whatever but yet we see a movie like under the skin and I'm not saying every character in under the skin is some awful you know MRA or whatever yeah but it's it, it's almost like a given when it when it's the flip opposite, uh, you know, when you have um, a female in that position. And I don't know, I just think it's it's very interesting to me. Uh, Obviously, for me at least, one of the centerpiece scenes of this movie is the elliptical sex scene between him and uh, Mary Lou, played by Candy Clark, because it comes right after him walking, not in on her, but walking into the bathroom while she's taking a bath and dyeing her hair, and that's the moment in which she starts to almost assimilate her own identity, at least physically, um, with with his, and I find that very interesting. Uh, almost as if <laughs> to say that, like, if he's a stand-in for the human being, but at his most lost and distant, uh, that we we can't essentially fuck somebody unless we're fucking ourselves. Oh man! <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't <laughs> I don't think that that's an accident, so to speak. Yeah. Um, um, yes.
2: Yeah. Something I've I've thought about when just looking at the, the poster before we.
1: Now, which poster is this? No, I've uh, seen quite a few. Yeah, I'm
2: talking about the one that I've seen the most, which is this one, okay. which is uh, shows him wearing a cowboy hat. There's kind of a Western setting. <laughs> uh, there's a circle in there, and then there's an upside-down triangle, yep. which is, uh, for the most part, usually uh, interpreted as a symbol of femininity or, yep. or, or female. The occult. Or, well, I'm sorry?
0: The occult? An upside down triangle. Yeah,
1: that
2: is true as well. Yeah, yeah. but I, I, I guess I'm asking, since we're we're talking about sexuality, you think that bears any sort of meaning to the actual film of this, or do you think the person who created the poster just thought it made sense? I Triangles think are fucking cool.
1: <laughs> I think it's both. I think a it's you know the the title of this movie is the man who fell to earth, so I think it is interesting that even in its uh, Title. I'm
0: I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, no, no. I just re- remembered something. What? Uh, I thought he's. That's the title of the film. <laughs> no, not not, <laughs> not even shit. that. But but there's <laughs> there's even a. Uh, I, I remember. Uh, it was somebody looking at a storybook early on. Was it Rip Torn's yeah, character? is when
1: he looks at the uh, the book made by the World Enterprises.
0: World Enterprises. And if you actually pay attention to what the illustration and what the poem is, like I was able to it. it it lingered on it enough that you were able to read enough of it, yep. and it's basically talking about the myth of Icarus, which yeah. is a man who fell to Earth.
1: Well, I was going to say, it's literally his backstory itself, but yeah. hidden within the pages of what seems like a coffee table book, which yeah. I also kind of appreciated, which is this weird way of uh, him embedding himself in very commercialized items mm-hmm. and... um like the idea of a patent itself is kind of interesting to me because it's it's almost this like ownership of an idea rather than an actual item yeah. and I thought that that to me like even if it's a completely normal thing in our own world and whatnot, it's such a weirdly abstract uh legal and i I always think of like legal terms and uh, uh whatever to be concrete like this is the law you you read each and every facet of it and you understand it and yet something like a patent like that in and of itself is almost defiant in its abstractness so i thought it very interesting that that's essentially how he made his fortune and, and he made his business was off of like almost uh i, I would say manipulating uh f- established you know things but uh, essentially uh, almost on a higher plane like instead of creating things he just uh, came up with uh, well and that's the other thing what do you guys think as far as where was that like forged or was he already truly came up with these ideas because the idea is that he come he shows up with these patents I and mean, then other companies apparently have already done these things mm-hmm. I, I i feel
2: like the 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 thing that I'm still getting caught up on it's, is that he's somehow able to see through time more, okay. more than anything to yeah. To, yeah. to have these. And then all of a sudden, oh, he actually is you – oh, know, he has this. He's going to obviously have to be compensated for this. I, I mean, we see him – sorry, Tucson. Sorry, think, no problem. But um, we see him almost looking through time – at points of this film, specifically the the western scene yeah. where the where the people actually on the other end seem to see him as well' yeah. and it's, it is this weird surreal view that um it, it it's interesting because i don 't know if it's a positive or negative about the film, but that type of uh connection with another side of time is not really uh commented on again at yep. any point in the film. Um, so it's, it's it that's at least my reading of it. I yeah.
0: sort of took the um, the argument for the patents uh, at face, just because I I feel like if I were to ruminate it, ruminate on it more, um, I would just get caught into this sort of quagmire of trying to deduce the legality and the the rhetorical arguments that the the patent attorney would would have to engage in, but. I didn't really feel the need to do that because apparently this character, the patent attorney, thought it was a solid enough case that he could do it. And I'm just like, wait a minute. How the fuck are you supposed to – he handed you these blueprints, right? And I'm just like, how are you supposed to prove that these blueprints predate the ones used by other companies even in their implementation at the same time? And I'm just like, you you can't get into that. That, that's not the
1: point. It's, it's almost a- an optimistic reading of American uh, capitalism <laughs> just simply by the fact that it doesn't matter if somebody like, – let's just say in hypo- hypothetically in the real world, if somebody had a patent for something that's already existed, if it's existed for years and you brought it to someone, it, you would just I, automatically I assume got here first. that well, it's forged. Well, I of mean,
0: course. Here's, here's your seat, sir. No, they're going to break your fucking legs. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, To comment on what Alex was saying about the kind of time travel, but not even necessarily travel, but the it's it's not the the wonky the vision into the wonky temporal whatever. Um, That is one of my favorite scenes when he uh, because what I like about that is that is almost the flip reverse of what normally happens in these kind of weird sci-fi genre bending. Because usually it's always like oh he can see, but in that moment it truly felt more like. That that uh, it, w-
2: it was a it was a them, window, not a mirror. Yes, yeah. and it
1: was them who was witnessing it, and not the other way around. Yeah, and that was just one of the most interesting, especially the way it was filmed.
2: And and I kind of do like that. It just is never really yeah. really mentioned
1: again. Yeah, and it's just kind of there. I I got to admit, uh, I think this movie, along with what we had talked about earlier, yeah. Under the Skin, and even you know another example of just something random, but uh The Shining. I think it actually. It, it works precisely because of what gets left out from what I'm sure the original source material actually uh, explained. Because from one thing I know for a fact, uh, I haven't read it, but I know the original novel of, that this movie is based on is, I think, almost entirely, if not entirely, told from his point of view rather than having multiple narrators. And it goes way more in-depth with like what is happening and how the business has grown and all that kind of stuff. So I'm way more of a fan of... Uh, on a film level, uh, to the way that this movie deals with the passage of time, which is, I think, very disorienting, because it's not so much that I'm ever confused, but I can never keep up with it, and I definitely think that that's an indication of how he perceives time.
2: I will say uh, I will say something about that, is that it's very interesting that we see the passage of time with humans, but I never get the feel that time is really passing with... Uh, with Thomas. Items in society. Well, no, obviously oh. not with Thomas, but you know, we never oh, see it right. become like it's not like futuristic. A new era. yes, yeah. yep. It feels like it's the same, and maybe part of that is because they're in a very kind of western desert
0: feel
1: a lot of the yeah. time. We but, see
0: time the way he does yeah. through yeah. the editing of the film. Which is
1: that it happens both now and yet also throughout. And but I th- also think it's great if it was on purpose, but Mm. that's the easiest way to date your movie is to project what the, or predict what the future will look like. Hoverboard. Yeah. So (laughs) if they didn't do that solely for that reason, like they didn't want to go overboard or whatever, it totally works because it makes it both A, more surreal and B, just kind of uh, weirdly more authentic because as much as time does change, it's Mm. uh, also... Yeah, no,
2: it's, it's a slow process. It works here. I mean, and it, even the the mundane moments of this film, like the uh, the ping pong scene, I felt <laughs> like that felt so authentic for yeah. some reason, and I, it just worked for yeah. for for whatever reason. Even though I can't the really the my he hand...
1: watch, or uh, yeah. stays the same from yeah. All he does is add more, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> I've never related more to a character in film. Yeah,
2: so it's 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 yeah. It, this is uh, this is definitely a film that I feel like would. Would be a good one to watch more than once, probably. But I think so. you know, most yeah. films are like that. I agree. Other than uh The Counselor, don't watch that again. I agree. <laughs> so do uh, do we have anything else that we want to discuss as a group or we want to move on to uh to our final thoughts?
0: Um I think that's that's as much as I have uh, okay. in regards to the discussion for the film. Not to say that there isn't more to say yeah. about
1: it. No, it's but like that's the, a first time From viewing. an initial viewing, yeah. It's, and like walking out of it, not like being able to think about it for a while. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, I guess one thing I, I will ask, ask first, yeah. um, obviously this is a Criterion Blu-ray that we watched. Yeah. Um, it, it, it there looked, is a it,
1: limited edition, but mm-hmm. is currently in print right now. Uh, Blu-ray in put out by Lionsgate. In I've case anybody it, yeah. who does want to own it, you can do that right now if you act now.
2: Uh, <laughs> I, I will say this: um, something we haven't really commented too much on is the actual look of this film, which I, I felt like was, I mean, on the Criterion, which they don't have a lot of things that look bad. Yeah, uh, but.
0: But many different types of lenses, many different types yeah. of like exposures. There, even
1: well, not a... just that, but the, he yeah. uses
0: stock footage which yeah. he did yeah. shot.
1: And I mean, even
0: the
2: unusual use in a in a good way, because usually when it's used, I feel like it sometimes doesn't work. But the use of a wide fisheye lens for a full full screenshot is so unusual but it just worked here and it looked good
1: solo moment as I
2: called it (laughs) oh god with uh, Mary Lou oh yeah
0: with the fisheye lens
1: in the fetal position in the kitchen yeah Yeah. naked in
0: the kitchen
2: did you guys have anything in terms of that that was
1: negative at all or or did you no I I think that was the only or not the only but at least the main aspect that I would praise as consistently great you know like that was the thing that went above and beyond I thought that even when it went from stock footage to shot footage, which is a clear difference in both uh, the film stock and uh, just deterioration of the film print itself, um, it, it, it looked fantastic. One of my favorite shots of anything is in this movie, which is of uh, Mary Lou standing at night. On the bridge of that kind of Japanese uh, dock, so to speak, which is their home, right? Yeah. But when she's dead center of it, um, in which it frames her, so to speak, I that was, uh, I think, a gorgeous shot. But...
2: Tucson mentioned uh, something early on when we see Rip Torn uh, speaking with his boss at the at the school, where you have the
1: oh, framing. Yeah. Oh yeah, where he's caught him. in between the um, yeah. the shelving unit. Almost. Yeah,
0: I feel like the the. It's not few and few and apart, but there are like a, a few choice moments where the mise en scène and the cinematography of this film just kind of converge into some really interesting segmentation and 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 framing of characters against like other objects in the frame, and I just think that it's just so. It's just so fucking good. I love it. And this
1: is a movie in which I would say, like, on paper would seem like it's exuberant and almost too much. But in reality, you almost forget that this movie employs a lot of different tricks, whether it be... uh, first person views and because you know the scene in which his uh, Rip Torn's first co-ed gets home and uh-huh. is putting things on the couch or whatever yeah. like it fits perfectly yeah. in the movie and yet you forget that it's almost out of place with a lot of the other stuff that comes after and
2: yeah. that that first scene by the way with the co-ed uh, yeah. really really has the feel of a rape at, 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 for me, that well, is, and that, what's that interesting is a, though, a
0: damning description. It has the
2: feel of a rape. <laughs> I like, mean, and I, I mean, don't disagree I mean, with you. I mean, it has I, the cadence. It, it, it is, it is it one of those cadence of a rape. One of those moments for me, at least, that toes the line. Like, so happened, you don't think happened, that they were playing? No, I do. Oh, okay. But I feel like you watch something like this. You watch something like some of the scenes in L, which obviously but there are true rape scenes. But then there are the scene where you're just like, are they?
0: We're not getting back into that rabbit hole. No, again. We're,
2: we're not. But you hear the the moans of of the of the the female, and yeah. you you start like at least my mind starts to think, okay, is she still right, on right. the same wavelength. I'm, I'm, I'm going to
0: be kind of mean, but. But like hearing rip torn like grunt during sex, it kind of sounds like rape.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm I'm
1: gonna be kind of w- mean, but the, it, it no, that's rip torn. Completely true.
2: Kind of sounds like rape.
1: Yeah, sounds, sounds like, like something getting ripped and something getting torn. Yeah. Um. But <laughs> <laughs> but it, well, Yar. what I will say is that as much he's as, a pirate, by the way. <laughs> as much as that uh, I agree with you um that he's a pirate that and that it might be construed as rape. Yeah. W- what's interesting is though that that play acting also comes into play later in the movie in which uh Thomas uh and Mary Lou have a very sexual shootout <laughs> um with and yeah uh with the blanks and such and what I, f- I I find that interesting because for me, I feel like a lot of what Thomas does feels like a charade in some ways and once again, I think commenting on that with uh, with sexual intercourse is also another way to say like this is more of an act for each other rather than an actual uh, how, how
2: about the literal use of shooting planks at the same oh, time? Oh yeah, I
1: mean that, that is happening as well. <laughs> yeah. How about the 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 literal use of what looks to be like cum all over an alien's body when they're like dancing? <laughs> That's cream corn and yeah. they're it's, bouncing sure on a trampoline, okay? Yeah, it's totally legit. <laughs> Yeah, we've all been there. I'm just saying, we went to college. Have we? We sort of went to college, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, it's true, I did it out <laughs> All right, let's go
2: to final thoughts and, and ratings. And uh, we started with Nick, and let, let's uh, let's start with Nick again. Alrighty. All righty.
1: Uh, I really enjoyed this. I um, It's not so much that I loved it or anything, but I'm glad I saw it. And I really definitely think that... One of the things I look most for in a movie, at least a movie I like, is that it offers me something that no other movie does. And I definitely think this movie does that. Um, It takes a genre and a premise that we certainly have seen in other movies, but it does it in a In a methodical way that is idiosyncratic only to what Nicholas Rogue has put on on uh, celluloid here um so everything from the performance of David Bowie and to the cinematography, which I thought was from start to finish excellent uh, I'm a big fan of this movie, and I can't wait to watch it again because. It's one thing to watch it for the first time and to try to get your bearing as it's happening to you. It's another thing, I think, uh, to, of course, experience it. Because it, it might sound corny or cheesy, but the second time you watch it, you will be more in the protagonist's shoes mm-hmm. of being able to uh, see time and see what's going to happen versus what's, what's happening. And I, I think that'll be an interesting perspective to have on the film. So... <laughs> I am going to give it three and a half out of five stars. I, I'm definitely a fan. Oh, cool.
0: Yeah. Um I echo a lot of the sentiments, obviously. I really enjoyed this film and in that it, it offers something that I haven't really seen before. Like I would I would agree with that. I think I skew towards that line. Um I had a a blast watching it and I would love to watch it again just because um it feels like a very singular and very interesting experience, you,
2: know? you just say, and you had a blast of man the the most enjoyable experience we all collectively had mm-hmm. when he shoots that <laughs> pan of cookies up in the air oh, <laughs> oh, man. that was I think
1: one of the first times we watched a movie in which. All three of us like laughed at the same exact part yeah. that was maybe not intentional comedy. Yeah. We were all on the same wave. That was drama. That, that was wonderful. Well, no. It only made me like the movie more.
0: It, yeah. al- it
2: was, although preceded by her acting like that, and then myself saying, "Oh boy, yeah. I don't want them fucking cookies. <laughs> I don't want them and fucking three cookies." Three seconds later, he turns around and slaps the man. And slow
1: motion. Happen. You. you know, right there for you. And you
2: know those cookies were shit too yeah. i mean yeah those they they were like they
0: glass. just broke apart like nothing like yeah. did you cook
1: these man.
0: <laughs> are they made of plaster okay um <laughs> i mean so- mary lou looks like she
2: was she was she was a you know a couple legs short of an oblet
1: oh
0: that's mean
1: i i mean she's a free spirit man
0: <laughs> okay yeah, anyway it was the 70s it was the 70s it was a different time um So I'm going to uh, break from my usual holding pattern of being very conservative with my my rating scores. And I'm just kind of feeling myself right now. I'm going to give it a a 4.5 out of 5. Oh, Oh, shit! Yeah. um, Right on. I'm sure that 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 initial um, appraisal Uh. will probably uh, deteriorate by a second (laughs) viewing. And that's not really necessarily a a a admonishment towards the film itself but rather it was it, it was a supreme joy to watch this for the first time not it, separate from the hype itself i thought it was a good movie yeah. and i enjoyed it so yeah all right all right all right, all right. <laughs> um i
2: actually as well pretty much just enjoyed this uh i thought this was a was a very solid film uh, this is usually not the kind of film that attracts me.
1: That's why I was uh, just really mm-hmm. quick to say before you give whatever it might be. Sure. Was, when you had said, oh, we're going to watch The Man Who Fell the Earth, the first thing I thought was like, okay, so Alex will be either indifferent or he'll hate it, but uh, apparently not. Well, and that's
2: the thing is that um, I... You
0: wild card you.
2: Sometimes I am, yeah. But you know what? Yeah. I, th- I feel like we're all guilty of that because... Nick will go to a film that I assumed he's going to hate and he'll think it's amazing.
1: White House down! Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, I was thinking more of uh, the, the film that Toussaint just uh, borrowed from you. Uh, the w- Wachowski's... Um, Speed Racer? Yes.
1: Oh, that's a great movie. Well,
0: yes, there you go. Exactly. Yeah, Speed Racer just leans all the way in, and I can't help but respect it. I mean, like, (laughs) if I had watched it out of the – if I watched it when it first came out, I probably would have hated it. I agree with that. I didn't see it until well. But with the the context of time and understanding what it's going for in respect to, like, other anime live-action adaptations, like, it trusts its audience to its own fault. Yeah. And I can't, I, I can't help but respect that in some way. Like it really went for it. So, Yeah. but this yeah. is just continuing to confirm <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah, is that we've
2: all got preconceived notions of films that we should or shouldn't like. Yeah, and sometimes just the the, the film will dictate if it can get past that. And and this film for me does because. There's so much here for the audience, whoever that be, whether it be someone who is a cinephile or someone who just happens to run into this film. I don't necessarily know what that situation would be, but whatever. Uh, And you can just watch this, and there's something, I feel like, for almost everyone to take away from this. And um, it was easy for me to take away a lot of things from this and, and tease out a lot of little details uh, that that made this uh, a film that, that works. And I think, for me, uh, the, the biggest thing is that this, at times, feels like a weird, bizarre character study, but then at the same time it feels like a film that is plot-driven. And it, it ends up in a place that, that feels definitive for me. And it may feel completely ambiguous for somebody else. Uh, so... A lot of great things here, and a lot of things to kind of absorb, um, but overall, a lot of things that I enjoyed. So, uh, it's a three and a half out of five for me for uh, the man who fell to earth, which I, I think is a, a really strong film. So, and looks great in Criterion. So, oh dude. yeah. It does. If you've got five hundred dollars, <laughs> please go to eBay.
0: If you have five hundred dollars and you love David Bowie, <laughs> like, like let's be real. I just gave it a four and a half out of five. Look, look, you got to try try this, okay?
1: Um, I will say uh, this movie, in that's power of Criterion, but this should not look as good as it does. Because the power of is, Criterion. Yes, Thank I you. St- I stand by that. Nick. Uh, but <laughs> this is a cult film, a movie that was not appreciated when it first came out. And um, also, I believe... I can't imagine that it had a long run in theaters, you know, so this is a print that was, you know, wasted away somewhere, and the fact that it looks as good as it does, especially for being a genre film and not just some simple whatever, uh, is kind of remarkable. They must have done a lot of work, I think, so, uh, yeah. 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 Criterion does good work, usually. They somehow got
2: Armageddon onto... uh... A, that a was prince. their
1: deal with paramount i know
2: it's, it happened it did
1: so, hey yeah. i have the armageddon criterion <laughs> do you really? i do that's amazing it's great i love it the commentary alone is worth it oh, with ben affleck
2: just who, trashing and i'm assuming
1: well he's not even trashing it but he's almost like he, he's just bluntly admitting. i also don't
2: want to play batman after i play him twice
1: <laughs> no but he's bluntly admitting like Fuck Mike, you prima donna michael bay's uh I don't know disregard for any sense of science. Uh, yeah or science or sanity because he'll go up to Michael Bay and he'll be like, hey, this scene doesn't really make sense because <laughs> they say that this 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 and yet that's technically not true or whatever. And then Michael he said, he goes yeah and so Michael just says I don't fucking care and so I just walked away and it's like oh man and there's a lot of anecdotes like that.
2: <laughs> Got to get that paycheck, man. Yeah, so. He was in a movie called Paycheck. Hey, he really was. Yeah, with Aaron Eckhart. That's not a good film. No. I think Paul Giamatti might be there too. That sounds familiar. And oh,
1: Uma Thurman. Uh, maybe.
2: Whew. Oh boy. Oh dear, we're going. So we're going to a week, bad place.
1: We're gonna. Watch we will not be Paycheck. doing Paycheck. <laughs>
2: next week, though, uh, we will be reviewing a film that uh, certainly will be seen by a lot of people. And that is the live-action... Paycheck. uh, Disney version of Paycheck. Uh, No, the live-action version of Beauty and the Beast, uh, starring Dan Stevens and Emma Watson. And, I mean, it it just kind of happened that I said Dan Stevens first because the Beast came to my mind, and I said Beauty and the Beast and whatever. But um, Emma Watson's definitely been in the news for Reasons that Boops. aren't necessarily aren't necessarily just for uh, being the lead actress for this film, which may or may not be a good thing. I, I, I don't know. This better
1: it, be the gayest Disney movie <laughs> ever made. That's all I can say. Hey, Cogsworth it, it, and Lumiere better be sucking each other off.
0: Look, we don't need another recreation of uh, Sausage Party, okay? I don't need that with. I think we do. I don't need that with household appliances. All right, I really don't. I don't need. The We're the burning I, the candle at both ends. I I don't need. Was there
2: a French accent? That was terrible. The iron
0: to be to be. I don't want to talk about it.
2: Well, there is that one weird part in the the animated version when uh, when the father is drinking out of Chip, Chip?
1: and yeah. Chip says, "Oh, it tickles." It's, well, it did. <laughs> what, what's he supposed to say?
0: There's a lot of coded. Don't be There's weird about it. There's a lot of coded sexuality in, uh, in, Disney. Early, Disney films in early Disney films, in early Disney films, in a lot of Disney films. I mean, now I,
2: the the early Disney films really hit on the racism, but the later Disney's oh, are the one. Oh ones yeah, they, they did.
0: It. I feel like that was like a like a studio mandate when like, <laughs> Walt Disney walked in. He just pointed to the uh, to the list. There's like one, two, three, four, like a list of just like racial epithets that have to just be coded into the background, like painted into the background. And if I don't see them in the background, you don't get your paycheck. By,
2: uh, by the way, I'm I'm I can't smoke in front of children, but we're gonna
0: teach them races. I mean I mean, yeah, they gotta learn. Yes. They gotta learn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love Disney World, by the way. So <laughs> I love Epcot, so yeah. fuck it. Yeah. That came along after he
2: died, yeah, so there you go. Yeah, he's dead. Whatever. I yeah. love
0: Epcot. Yes. Do you know what Epcot stands for? Um, I did, but I forgot.
2: Uh, Epcot stands for Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow.
1: Ah, very so good. So you know. yeah, I Thank you very much, sir. No problem.
0: That seems like a very Book Mr. Fuller name <laughs> for... Uh for an experimental society. Yeah, that's cool.
2: If you if you look at the original Walt Disney plans for what this was going to be and what it turned out, it's a little different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it was <laughs> just a giant
0: swastika. <laughs> wow. That must have been really hard to walk around. It's like, then they just walked him back and I'm just like, why don't we just make it a circle around just, the world? Why don't
2: we just freeze you? What yeah. that sound that's, yeah. we'll, we'll bring you back when races. We might be seeing Walt Disney soon. Oh, ah! what because racism is coming back
0: oh like you... full on yeah so yeah escape from tomorrow is a very bad film <laughs> i i need you to know that Why are we on this we we're talking about disney anyway know, but... let's let's <laughs> walk it back and just like end let's... this episode we're not
2: talking about escape from tomorrow because it's bad not because of that but we're just not it's
0: also really fucking terrible
2: also not the reason <laughs> yeah we are talking about the live action you and the beast which has a lot of names uh emma watson as i mentioned dan stevens as i mentioned also josh gadd uh we also have luke evans and then obviously iwan mcgregor when and-
0: you said that it has a lot of names i thought you were gonna like come up with alternate titles for it like socially acceptable bestiality the fairy tale. <laughs> you need to go to
2: bed <laughs> i'm sorry yeah
0: i'm sorry yeah. i mean people get pissed off about a gay character but then like they don't mind like emma watson like going out with some like ram headed like beast monster That's but he's different. not really
2: a beast he's a man so it's fine he's white more importantly <laughs> you disputing that he's white <laughs> You
1: gotta see the movie <laughs>
2: Jesus, that's the big surprise. That's the twist. That ain't. How, he. how did ever he returns? At uh, it he amongst- returns. It CGI Richard Pryor. <laughs> what the wow. fuck? Oh boy. Ah, uh, what was the name that I missed? I missed one of the the major names. Ian McKellen. Yes. There you go. So there you go. He plays uh, Cogsworth, I believe. Does. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. What's up with the Jack Nicholson Joker laugh? Cogsworth. Either. It is time to wrap
1: this puppy up, <laughs> so thank you very much. Uh, I feel like Tucson identified strongly with the protagonist of the man who killed <laughs> Earth.
2: Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Film Tank. You can always find our episodes on FilmTankShow.com. In addition, you can find us on iTunes or Stitcher. You can also find us occasionally on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Film Tank Show. <laughs> Thank you very much to Toussaint Egan, sort of. Also, (laughs) Nick Cheney, myself, Alex Diekman. Thank you to the audience again. (laughs) Thank you to yourself. I've done that multiple times. I guess I've never noticed that. Uh, Oh, I usually walked it back, but we're just going to keep it this time. All Yeah, why not? Fuck it. And thank you again to the audience. Uh, We'll catch up with you next time.